0: Middle aged people like me, and then there's some old folks like some of y'all. But God wants us to have a heart for all the generations. And that call is to all generations. And that's why I'm preaching today a message called For the Generations. Psalm 78, 4 through 7 says this. You can turn in your Bible, we always have the passages on the screen. We will not hide these truths from our children. Now, if you're not sharing the truths of the Word to your children, you're hiding them. I'm trying to help you today. Your children are bombarded daily with messages at school, on TV, in music, in social media. And all of those the enemy uses, I'm not saying all of those are demonic, they're used for good too. But the enemy is right there in there trying to send messages to them. And if you're not helping them filter out what is right and wrong, if you're not finding out what they're learning, who they're talking to, who, what they're watching, what they're listening to, if you're just going through life not intentionally sitting down with them on a regular basis, teaching them the word of God, you are hiding these truths from them. Well, the Bible says we will not hide these truths from our our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of our Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. He issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even to the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Every single one of us should have hope on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Every single generation has a responsibility here from the young to the old. Of course, the older generation has a responsibility to teach and train the younger. But the younger has the responsibility to honor and respect their elders, to learn from them, and to trust and obey God on their own. Psalm 145, verses 4 and 5, Pastor Deb read this opening the service. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty and will meditate on your wonderful works. Every generation has a responsibility to encourage other generations, both older and younger. To encourage different generations to trust in God, to hope in God, to praise God. Listen, children, you can do this. Children, the, the Bible says a little child shall lead them. If you see times where maybe your parents are down about something, you could encourage them to hope in God and trust in God and to praise God. You can do it. It's for all of us. Yes, go ahead. I'm going to share with you today two stories from the Bible that demonstrate the need for every generation to have a heart for the other generations. One of the greatest kings in the Bible in the Old Testament was a man named Hezekiah. did a lot of great things. Yet Hezekiah did not pass on a godly heritage to his son, Manasseh. Son beca- his son Manasseh became the worst, most evil king in the history of Israel. How was such a good and godly generation followed by such an evil generation? Well, in 2 Kings 20, the prophet Isaiah told Hezekiah to get his house in order because he was gonna die. 2 Kings 20, two through three says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly because he was going to die. God heard his prayer, and Isaiah went back. God told Isaiah, go back and share, share this with Hezekiah. Share, tell him this, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Look, I will heal you. I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. Then Isaiah said, bring a lump of pressed figs. So they brought it and applied it to his infected skin, and he recovered. So Hezekiah was healed by God using medicine kind of interesting. Then in Second Kings 20, 16 through 18, the prophet Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Listen to this. There will come a time when everything in your palace and all that your fathers has stored up until this day, generations, talking about his father's him and the upcoming generations, it will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left says the Lord and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, that will be born to you will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Wow, that would be a tough word. You are talking about getting a prophetic word. That, that's a tough one. But here's what happened next in verse 19. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought, Will there not be peace and security in my lifetime? Wait a minute. When Hezekiah was told he was going to die, he cried for himself. When he was told that his children would be carried away by an enemy, he didn't even shed a tear. When he was told he would die, he prayed to the Lord. When he was told his children would be made slaves, he uttered not a word. Hezekiah was very concerned about himself, but he did not care that his sons would become eunuchs, which means they would never have children of their own. In other words, Hezekiah cared for himself. He fought for himself, but not for his family. He cared for himself, but not his kids. He prayed for himself, but not his family. He had no concern for the generation. He did not care that his children were taken off as long as he got to stay. He did not care if they were slaves as long as he was free. He did not care if they had to go to war as long as he had peace. Hezekiah showed absolutely no concern for his children or the generations that followed him, and that was a recipe for disaster. His son became the most evil king in the history of Israel. Hezekiah did not care what happened to the next generations. Listen, and it's still a recipe for disaster today. If parents aren't caring about the future of their children, if older generations are not caring about younger generations, the same thing can happen to our families our church, when there's no care for anybody but self. As long as I'm taken care of, as long as God's blessing me, I'm good. Those young ones, they're on their own. Story number two. First Kings 11 records the death of Solomon. Solomon was the son of David. He had a son named Rehoboam who became king of Israel after him. 1st Kings 12:1 says all Israel gathered to make him king all of Israel the leaders of the people and the people of Israel said to Rehoboam in verses 4 through 19 your father was a hard master lighten the harsh load harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us then we'll be your loyal subjects Rehoboam replied, "'Give me three days to think about, think this over, and then come back for my answer.' So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. "'What's your advice?' He asked them. "'How should I answer these people?' The older counselors replied, "'If you're willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects.' But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and and were now his advisors." What's your advice, he asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? The young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. My fa- father's laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Three days later, the people came back to hear Rehoboam's answer and decision about what they requested. But Rehoboam spoke harshly to the people, for he rejected the advice of the older councils and followed the advice of the younger advisors. He told the people, My father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no attention to the people. When all Israel realized the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, Down with the dynasty of David, we have no interest in the son of Jesse. Back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. So the people of Israel returned home, but Rehoboam continued to rule over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Judah, and to this day the northern tribes of Israel refuse to be ruled by a descendant of David." Hezekiah had showed no concern for younger generations. Now, Rehoboam showed no concern for the older generations. Both were terribly wrong, and the results were totally destructive, and devices. Israel was divided. Rehoboam's response, Rehoboam's response to the generations divided the nation of Israel into two kingdoms, into Israel and Judah. And it was that way for many, many years. When you have no concern for generations, it brings division. It, we talk about generation gaps. It brings all kinds of gaps, all kinds of division, and even destruction into homes, into families, into churches, and into nations. And for a family to work in Function properly, for a church to function properly, for a nation to work properly, every generation must care for every other generation. Otherwise, we will be divided also. So, I'm going to give you three things quickly that we can do to fight for the generations. Number one, being for the generations means we must care for all generations. All generations. How do we do that? By telling them we care. By showing them we care. Listen, what we say to each other is, is so vitally important. Proverbs eighteen twenty one says, death, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know that you've been built up by people, by their words, and you know you've been torn down by people's words. You know people have spoken life to you, and what they've said has spoken death to you. So I want to ask you, are your words consistently bringing life to other people? Are your words consistently building other people up? Uh, uh, In your family, in your marriage, in your relationships, in the church, in your workplace, are you speaking life or death to the generations? Are you speaking blessings or curses? And listen, it's so easy to get into the habit of disrespecting other generations. And I'm not just talking young people disrespecting the old. Older people can disrespect the young. It's easier for some, old, it's easy for some older people to write off millennials and younger generations and just write on them all the time. But we've got to determine, and we've determined here to never give up on them and to always speak life to them. And then some younger generations are writing off the older generations instead of respecting them and learning from them. First Timothy 5, 1 through 2 says, never speak harshly to an older man. but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Now, if you're talking back to your father and disrespecting your father, that's another problem. And parents, if you're not dealing with this at home, if you're allowing children to talk disrespectfully to you at home, they're going to carry that on out in their life, and they're going to have a hard life because they've never learned how to respect authority, honor authority, and speak right to people over them. And, and they're going to somebody somewhere sometime will get through to them. But it may be tough getting through. Talk to a younger man as you would your brothers. Treat older women as you would your mother. Treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. Now, obviously, that assumes you're treating your mom and your dad and your sisters and brothers Right? It might need to start right there. And parents, we've got to model that. And the way we treat each other. And the way we treat them. And the way we treat other people. God wants every generation to respect and love other generations. What are you saying if you're a, an adult with children? What are you saying about your parents? How are you treating your parents in front of your children? All of us have a responsibility. First Peter 5 5 says, Young men be submissive to those who are older. All of you, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, what do you think happens if God opposes you? You lose every single time. God will always win. And the Bible says that God opposes prideful, boastful, arrogant people. But he blesses and gives grace to the humble. So all of us, young and and old, have got to be humble towards other generations. Not proud, not arrogant, but we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to seek to somehow serve them. If we aren't humble, God will resist us and and oppose us. and, And life is going to be even tougher Listen, you talk about tough. Building a multi-ethnic church is very difficult to attain and maintain. It, got, it took many years and years and years of hard work and intentionality for us to get to the pla- this place in our church because of all the racial division that's in our culture. Well, look around you this morning. See what the Lord has done. Now let me tell you, being a multi-generational church is also hard to attain and maintain. I'll give you an example. We've been really working on trying to establish a young adult ministry for a long time. And the problem has been finding someone to lead it. And I remember years ago, I had approached a young man that I knew about helping us start a young adult ministry. He refused to do so immediately. And I, and I asked him why. And here's what he told me. He said, Pastor Joe, most people his age my age, he said, and he's in his 20s. Most people my age don't want to attend church with older people. They want to attend church with people their age. i was like, what? I literally, I was like that. I, 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 was, I was shocked. I knew he had been to Bible school. I knew his dad had been a pastor. I said, no, that's not biblical, right? You know, the Bible says for the older men and women in the church to teach and to train the younger men and women and children of the church, how are you going to obey that command if you have nothing in your church but young people? He just shrugged and went out and found a church that was made up of all young people. That was so sad to me. So sad to me. And it's sad to me when there's older people who have no vision for younger generations. Listen, they talk about churches dying all the time these days. And I'll tell you the church, a lot of the churches that are dying are older congregations who will not change anything. We've been doing it this way since my grand great grandpappy started this church. Hundred years ago, we've been doing the same thing, singing the same songs in the same way, with and we're not going to change anything. They selfishly hang on to old traditions, old song styles, old ways of doing church, and the, as a result, their churches are dying. I am so blessed by the older generations of Grace Fellowship Church. I know they don't like all the songs. I I know that sometimes it's too loud. And I know some of the newer ways of doing church are different. I mean, you got kids up here in their jammies on stage in the church. Back in my generation, them boys would have had suit and ties on. I'm talking my generation. And, and them girls would have worn dresses. They would not be flopping around on that stage in their jammies. Well, go ahead and let your church die. But these, we have a church full of people who even though they don't enjoy all the songs or whatever, they have a vision for generations. They have a vision for their children and their grandchildren. They're willing to change. Listen, our message can never change. We've got to speak and preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. We cannot never change that. But song styles may change, and some of our methods may change. And I'm so grateful for people who have a vision to reach the younger generation. This is me giving you a standing ovation telling you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you older people, part of your mission is to love and mentor the younger ones. And younger folks, part of your mission is to love and respect the older ones. We do that, again, by telling them and showing them. that That's how we close the generation gaps. We've got to get to know each other. So number two, being there for the generations means uh, being for the generations means being there for the generation. That requires taking some time to get to know some people from different generations. Just as we've preached many times about, hey, get to know somebody of different ethnicities in the church. You got to be intentional about that. You got to be intentional. Same thing about different generations. Take takes some time to get to know some other generations in the church. Just ask them about themselves and, and try to get into the, their world. And this is true for families too. Listen, the American Academy of Pediatrics reports that by the time American children are six years old, they have spent more time watching TV than they will spend talking to their dad over the course of their entire lifetime. Listen, people today know the value of time. And so love many times is spelled to people T-I-M-E. Time equals love. They know if you're giving them their time, they're giving them attention to any generation, to children especially. Love is spelled T-I-M-E. Don't buy into this myth of, of quality time over quantity. Child needs both. Some parents are so busy with what they do for their families that they have no time to spend with their families. Listen, you can do this. You can carve out some time for each child to enter their world, find out what they like, what they like to do. Don't be like the guy who said, well, I need to be more involved in my children's lives. He has four kids, so now all of a sudden he had four caddies on the golf course because he was going to do what he wanted, and they just tagged along. (laughs) Find out what they like to do. Get into their world. Show them how special they are to you. Fight for your family and be there for them. And in the church, I encourage older generations, get involved in ministering to younger generations, children, youth, young adults, new believers. I think of me growing up, some of the greatest teachers I had were were older saints in the church. It's a biblical principle found in 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many wit- reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. God thinks generationally. Somebody passed something on to you, you pass it on to somebody else who will pass it on to somebody else. That's four generations right there. That's how God thinks, and so must we. Every one of us has a responsibility to disciple other generations. Thirdly and lastly, being for the generations means that we offer prayer for all generations. Deb and I started praying for our children before we ever had any children, before they were ever born. Because we knew we weren't smart enough or strong enough or wise enough to raise them without God's help. And I can tell you with certainty that will not win this fight for the generations without prayer. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. There's battles we haven't won because we haven't prayed about it. There's supernatural power that's not been released because we haven't prayed about it. Excuse me. And winning your fight for your family and the generations requires the supernatural power of God. You can't do it on your own. And the only way to tap into that is through, through prayer and praying for your children. Listen, it's a lifelong necessity. I, I love calling my dad. He's 92 years old. I call him every week and every time he tells me, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for Deb. I'm praying for your church. I'm praying for your people. I'm praying for Jason and Kristen and all the grandkids. I call them by name every day. I, I, I love that. Still doing it. Some of you haven't even started doing it. You've got to be persistent in praying. If you're not praying for your family, you've got to start. If you're not play, praying for generations, you've got to start. Listen, it, you might not care enough to pray. And if you don't care for the generations, here's the prayer to start with. Here's a prayer. Malachi 4, 5, and 6 says, I will send you the, this is like the last verses of the Old Testament. I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. Listen, this is pretty serious to God. And if your heart is not for other generations, if your heart, fathers and mothers, is not Turn towards your children. If your heart, children, is not turned towards your parents, if it's turned away from your parents, listen, we all got to be praying, God, turn my heart. God, change me change my heart, Lord. Give me a heart for my family. Give me a heart for my spouse. Give me a heart for my children. Give me a heart for my parents. Give me a heart for future generations. We've got to do this. And I encourage you to pray for the generations in our church. I encourage you to get involved in ministry to generations in our church. We have children's ministry. We have youth ministry. Be praying with us over a young adult ministry. We've all got a responsibility in praying for these generations. It takes all of us to make church work. It takes all of us to make family work. So I encourage you, to take an interest in other generations. I'm going to close with this story. Nehemiah was a man who went to Jerusalem to help people, the people of Jerusalem, because the walls had fallen down, and the enemy could come and go as he pleased. Listen, this is a description of some of our families. The walls are torn down and the enemy has total access. The families are so broken, the enemy has total access to come and go as he pleases. People of every generation have broken places that allow the enemy in. And so when Nehemiah saw this, he cried out to God, He was was in exile in another land, and he got permission from the king to go back to Jerusalem to build the walls. And when he started rebuilding, all the enemies in the land came out against him. Listen, you start fighting for your family, the enemy's going to hate it. Do not be surprised. When we're building up generations in the church, the enemy hates it and will try to stop us. And when enemies came against Jerusalem, Nehemiah said in Nehemiah 4.14, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your home. Are you fighting for your brothers and your sisters and your mother and your father and your homes and your marriages? Are you fighting or are you living in fear or you're not even aware or are you unconcerned? And verse 17 says, they did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. Listen, we have an awesome God, but he's got work for us to do and requires us working with one hand and warring with another. Working with one hand and warring with another. If you build anything great, it takes work and warfare. If you build... It takes work and warfare to build a church. It takes work and warfare to build a family. It takes work and warfare to build a business. It takes work and warfare to build a marriage. And you might not know how to war for your family, but you can start by saying this on a regular basis, out loud. Devil, you can't have my family. You can't have my children. You cannot have the future generations. And I encourage you to pray the word of God. I'll give you some verses. Pray the word of God because Jeremiah 1.12 says, God says, I'm watching over my word to perform it. So you remind God of his word, and you listen to the word of the Lord, not the word of the enemy, because the devil will try to tell you, oh, well, that child, they can never learn. That child will never learn. But you speak the truth of Isaiah 54:13: All your children will be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. My wife has prayed that prayer over our children and grandchildren. Since I can remember, since the early days of our marriage, your children will be taught. The devil will try to tell you that child will never get saved. They're too far gone. But you speak the truth of Isaiah 49 25, where God says, I will contend with those who contend with you, and your children I will save. The devil try to tell you that child, that child is just full of mischief and nonsense. They'll never be full of the spirit. But you speak the pray the truth of Acts two, thirty-eight and thirty-nine that says, Repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This gift and this promise is for you and your children. And the devil may try to tell you your children will never ever serve the Lord, but you speak the promise of Joshua 24, 15. You stand on it as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. I might not have seen it happen yet. I might not see it happen right now. It might not happen next week or next month or even next year, but I'm not giving up. I will always care for my family. I will always care for the generations. I'll always be there for them. I will always be in prayer for them. As for me and my house, I'm going to war. I'm going to have working in one hand and warring with another. And as for us, we will serve the Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. For those who are unconcerned, and uncaring about other generations. God, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. Have mercy on us. Be gracious to us. We pray what your word said in Malachi 4, that you would turn, Lord, turn the hearts of fathers and mothers to their children. Turn the hearts of children to their parents. Forgive us for the other things we've turned to, for other sources we're looking to, for other wisdom we're trying to find. Forgive us, O God. Help us turn first and foremost to you, O Lord. Lord, I pray for those who've fallen away from you or not close to you like they once were, God, that you would draw them right now, draw them right now. For those who've never given their heart and life to you, draw them right now, Lord. Convict them of their need for you. Give them godly sorrow for sin and, and, and re- grant them repentance, O oh God, and faith. For those who are empty, I pray you would fill them with your spirit. For those who are hurting, I pray you would heal them. For those who are bound up or addicted by something, I pray you would set them free. God, forgive us for the walls that are down in our marriages and families and church. God, show us any areas where the walls are down that we need to rebuild so the enemy has no access. Show us doors we need to shut and doors we need to open. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We ask you all to stand.